Welcome to the Small Nonprofit Podcast with down-to-earth practical advice on how to get things done in your small organization. You are going to change the world and we can help. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and I'm joined by my co-host, Anya McGlynn. Hello, everybody. So today's podcast, I'm not going to lie, is pretty personal for me um, as a parent with two young kids and having had those kids while working in the sector. I mean, now I, I'm kind of out of the sector and that we, we have a good partnership, but the experience of, of being on mat leave, on having young kids, it's, it's a hard one. And today's conversation with Lacey is really, I mean, she experienced that too. And I know so many people do. And it's how do we create a sector that is supporting parents uh, so that they can find some balance? Yeah, here's like, I would add, put this in the category of um, values that the nonprofit sector you would assume <laughs> would have and would have figured out how to implement, but shockingly uh, are not well yeah. implemented. <laughs> uh, we are a sector that thrives on our values and that, like, you know, is committed to mission related work and making the world a better place, but we are so bad at taking care of the people who are the fuel and the engine to drive that sector, um, yeah. mums and dads um, and parents in particular. Speaking from just sort of observation, this is this is I don't have a, a dog in this fight, but um, but I can obviously see that um, that I've I've seen my colleagues struggling through it, and and um, there's clearly a need to address it. Yeah, and Lacey's own story, which we'll talk about, but I, you know she started because she was going through this sense of um, being torn between being really ambitious and wanting to do good work, but having young kids, and when she started talking about it. All these other people started coming out of the woodwork and the stories and like, I mean, I have my own, I'm not going to talk about uh, their children or their parents or their partner's parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, women tend to take much more care of uh, of their in-laws as well. Um, and so like what is, you know, this? it, it is a gendered conversation to, to a large extent, um, but it's a, it's a conversation, as you said, that goes beyond uh, the role of a parent and, and talks about care more generally. Um, care of a family, but also, you know, to some extent, care of self, mm-hmm. um, and and recognizing that there's a line between um, the the energy and the priorities that you assign to work, um, and those that ultimately are more important because they um, they stay with you for for the entirety of your life. Yeah. With that, uh, it's a pleasure to introduce Lacey Kempinski. Lacey Kempinski is a certified fundraising executive and a fundraising specialist and owner of Balanced Good. After more than a decade of working in traditional fundraising shops and building a career in major gifts, she decided to take a leap and open her own consulting firm. Now she's focused on helping small charities build their fundraising capacity and engaging in discussions about authenticity, family life, and how to blend this with a fundraising career. Lacey is currently co-chair membership for the Association of Fundraising Professionals Golden Horseshoe Chapter. She's also a mom of two young boys, a dog mom to a rowdy rescue, a wife, and loves a good book but barely finds time to read one. Please join me in welcoming Lacey to the podcast. Lacey, welcome to the podcast. 
Thanks, Cindy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be chatting with you. Excellent. Well, before we hopped on, I just love that you were telling me that you uh, were listening to past podcast episodes and we're applying those to your work already in a way that was helping you own your schedule. So hopefully we can do the same for this session. For sure. Yes. I hope uh, the listeners can take away a few uh, tidbits after listening. Absolutely. So let's let's kind of dive right in. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience that has led to your passion and work around sort of women and moms in the workplace? For sure. Uh, So before I dive in, I want to say and kind of preface all of this from I'm coming from a place of being a white straight woman. So there's a little Mm -hmm. bit of privilege behind what I'm saying. Um, And I think that there's other who definitely have more difficult experiences than me, but I think that this is important conversation to have for all women. Um, So I'm also living in a little bit of a bubble. I have a one and a half year old and a three and a half year old. And any woman that I've talked to that's kind of in that time, it's a very intense time for Mm -hmm. family experience. So I I kind of like to put those two pieces out there before I dive in. So when I first started my career, I had a very clear trajectory that I was going to be a hospital foundation CEO. I was laser focused on that. And then I had kids and everything kind of blew up. I mean, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, that goal that I had set for myself didn't really feel like something that resonated with me and the new place I was at with having children. Also, my view of the sector changed because all of a sudden I realized that the impact that we're making, especially in our community, is going to affect my children and the next Mm -hmm. generation. So all of a sudden, I'm looking at the sector a little bit different. My goals are changing. And I also needed autonomy to balance working and motherhood. But I knew I needed to stay within the sector because that passion really fueled me and the work I did outside the home made me a better mother inside the home. Mm -hmm. Mm Now, when you started to explore this and talk to other people, uh, it sounds like your experience was was similar to a lot of other people that you were talking to. What did you find? What kind of experiences are are we having in the sector? What kind of support or lack of support exists for um, parents in this stage of their lives? Yeah, good question. So I was a little bit surprised. I knew this existed, this kind of challenge of working mom and beyond working mom, parents, caregivers, that our sector was very, is very traditional. And it's kind of, there's a lot of organizations out there where it's butts and seats. 
mm-hmm. um, kind of mentality. And it's, you know, I see it in small organizations, mid-sized organizations and large organizations. And so seeing this, a lot of people, once I kind of put myself out there and said, this is who I am, my business is about balance. And also my business is about helping other organizations find balance um, by taking some work off their plate. So many women started reaching out to me uh, privately. So I was kind of almost discouraged at first that I wasn't getting like I was getting positive feedback publicly, but not nearly as much as I was getting privately. And Mm -hmm. that goes to say um, that women are still scared to have this conversation of, of, you know, like, I need autonomy, I need balance in my life to be a good mother, but to be a good employee, Mm -hmm. to be a good nonprofit professional, because let's be honest, and I know we've had this conversation um, working in this sector can be very draining because you're putting all of your passion into it. It's a sector of empathy. It's a sector of real, real big problem um, that we're trying to solve through fundraising, through the frontline work that employee, employees are doing. And so you need to have that balance or burnout's going to happen. And anecdotally, from the stories I've been hearing from women, this is what's happening. I mean, the turnover rate in our sector, we all know is about, Mm -hmm. you know, 18 months. So I I can't help but think that there's something about this lack of balance that is playing into that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will say my experience, and it sounds like you've heard this from a lot of people, there's so many different facets to that experience. So on the one hand, that idea of balance and the culture of bums and seats, it really is hard to to work in that environment when you do have young kids. I mean, I will say, and my husband, if he listens to this, will laugh, but that the three years when I had my second son until he was three years old were, I think, the hardest of our lives and almost broke me and almost broke our marriage. And it just, you can't maintain or prioritize your sort of health and well-being and being there for your family if if you're going to get penalized in the workplace, right? Absolutely. Um, And it's so, and even if it, if if it's explicitly sort of said that you're supported, oftentimes implicitly, you really don't feel that way. What have you heard from people around that experience? Completely right. And and again, like I think our sector is unique because unless you're in a really big shop, I mean, there's not often HR departments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yep. even if, like you said, there's, you know, say a policy in place for a flexible work environment, is that actually happening? And what are employees supposed to do if that's not happening? Um, so yeah, women have definitely shared with me concerns about that. I mean, there's been women who have told me they've been passed up for promotions because they're being told it's it's not the right time while they're visibly pregnant mm-hmm. and meeting all of their performance goals. Employers are joking with their employees saying, you know, now don't go get pregnant on me. But you know, when you're saying this to a, a young professional who is likely in a vulnerable state when they're thinking about their career planning and how their family planning is going to impact that, I mean, we have to be very careful with our words and what, you know, employers are doing to support and create truly supportive environment. Or if your child's sick, okay, how do you make this work? You know, can I still do that conference call, but, 
you know, I I'll have my my child in the background watching a movie or, you know, I, you know, I got to bring my kid into the office because I need to pick up some things to be able to work on something. We need that kind of in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mean, when I, I laugh at that, I think most working parents, but especially working moms laugh at that uh, viral video about the BBC <laughs> interview where the kid walks into the room, but that's the reality for so many of us. And if when you feel like you have to hide it, um, you can't really be present in any of those spaces where I think if you can um, acknowledge it and get support around it, it actually allows you to work better, right? Because your mind is not being torn in all these different places. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, I think there's also a time and place for your kids to be there and not be there. And I definitely felt the pain at reporter, but that's the reality is we're all humans and we all have a million things on the go, whether it's kids or whether you're caring for an elderly parent, there's so much going on in the background that creates who you are, that we need to acknowledge in the workplace to make kind of healthier, happier workers. Um, so I, I think that's really important to kind of talk about that and, and to, you know, embrace this, these flexible work environments. And for me, the other thing is with our sector is we are doing incredibly important work in the community. And don't we want to show our children, show the next generation, this awesome work that we're doing Mm -hmm. um, and get them engaged in some sort of capacity. Uh, You know, it's just all about building that generation of change makers and people who want to make a difference. Yeah. I love hearing my kids describe what I do. Oh, me too. It's so cute. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I get it right. Actually, my son, when I, I spent a semester teaching fundraising at uh, college and my son went through his bookshelf and got out The Giving Tree. Okay. Yeah. Uh, by, I think it's Shel Silverstein yeah. uh, as like an example of, you know, giving back. And it was really cute. So he made sure I, I took that to class. <laughs> yeah. Like that story gives yeah. me goosebumps because yeah. that's like, when you can merge like this passion and I know you have it too, this passion for our sector with the passion you have with motherhood Mm -hmm. and parenthood, like that's an incredible, it's it's very exciting. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, like it's making me a a much better, more effective fundraiser. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I often find a better employee too, right? Mm -hmm. And this is true. Like we have very flexible work arrangements for our team, regardless if their parents are not. And you know what? If you need a day, you need a day. I don't care if you have a doctor's note. But when you show up, I mean, they're showing up with 150% of their A game. Like when people are there, we get so much more out of them. And you know what? If they need a break from that, please take it uh, because this, the staff are our most important resource. Absolutely. And you know, that, that triggers something that I had heard from somebody else. I was speaking. A lot of my conversations are anonymous. Um, Mm -hmm. But she had said like, wouldn't the most loyal employee be a parent or caregiver who has a a supportive and accommodating workplace Mm -hmm. because they need to know that they have that flexibility and that job security. Um, so they're going to do whatever they can for their employer if their employer is giving that back to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to create a work environment where my staff never want to leave me, but exactly. I also want to create opportunities that for them to grow in and leave at some point. But you know, mm-hmm. in the meantime, we should have the very best working place because 
uh, I have to go in every day and I want to see people who are smiling back at me. And yeah. Yeah. And like, what is the impact of that? You know, like we talk about it with uh, like employee retention, like what is the impact employees leaving on our donors, on our mission, Mm -hmm. on the work that we're doing? If we can retain employees and keep them happy, keep them engaged. I think like when we get back down to fundraising, it's going to increase our our revenues. It's going to increase the real authentic relationships we have with our donors because that employee's staying in place. Mm -hmm. So we touched upon a couple, uh, I'm going to call them recommendations or opportunities for, uh, to create these kinds of environments. Mm-hmm. Uh, one we talked about is sort of that flex work environment and, and having some opportunity to just, you know, focus on getting the work done instead of bums and seats. And mm-hmm. then we also talked about how we talk about, uh, you know, pregnancy and uh, family, you know, families within our work environments mm-hmm. and um, specifically with young women. What are some other opportunities? Like if someone's listening to this and they're not necessarily uh, a new parent or planning on being a, a parent, um, but they're potentially the employer or someone who wants to support other people in their, uh, in their workplace what are some other things that we can do to create an environment where it doesn't feel like we're going to be punished for having kids? For sure. Um, yeah. So I've kind of given this a lot of thumb as I've kind of created my business as well. I, I think one of the most important things is to kind of co-create these environments with staff. So if you're an employer and you you have young staff that likely will be heading to kind of that family planning point in their career like have the conversation with them have an authentic real conversation with them about what type of flexibility they need or you know if a mom is returning from a jeep sit down what is the you know back to work plan for for her and um you know how can we create you know, remote work opportunities, but also how can we create built-in accountability measures? I I mean, we have to make sure that the work is getting done. Um, So how can we create that? So both sides feel like their, their goals are being accomplished. Um, I also think that employers really need to be mindful of the tone they're setting in the environment and not working over hours, because if you set that tone, it's kind of an unspoken rule that that Mm -hmm. kind of being expected of your staff Mm -hmm. and and also looking at embracing kind of this intergenerational workforce. So, and, and, you know, I'm going to speak just specifically on parenting. Um, All ages and stages of parenting have different challenges and different needs. I mean, you and I have talked about this offline Mm -hmm. Um, right now. My kids are super young, so their needs are very different than a parent who has high schoolers that, you know, might have, um, after hours needs that they were, you know, school age children where you're tackling with uh, drop offs and pickups and, and how do you work that schedule. So just looking at that kind of intergenerationally and even going as far as looking at, okay, caregivers and, and people who are taking care of those elderly parents and, and what, what do they need. So just understanding that he has different needs and, mm-hmm. and also making these accommodations for non parent caregivers because they also have needs outside of work that are extremely and all filter back into making you that whole happy employee. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's 
you said a lot of these conversations that you've been having have been confidential and sort of offline as it mm-hmm. were, but I think it's so important to have this conversation because it, it will echo true to people at other stages in their life where either you feel like you can't bring that part of you to the workplace. So whether you're caring for aging parents or going through other things, even when it comes to like mental health, mm-hmm. right? Like when we don't feel like there's a place for that in our work environment. It creates a culture where you just, you can't show up in the same way and you don't feel supported in the same way. And um, on the flip side, if we do that and if we talk about these things and we accommodate people and we understand that they're not just an employee, but that they have their lives and we embrace those lives, I mean, I think that just creates uh, such opportunity for a strong work culture and environment, which, as you mentioned, adds to uh, staff retention and employee satisfaction and, mm-hmm. you know, all the, all the things that I think we want for ourselves and for our organizations that we care so much about. Yeah. And, and like, I, I think it just comes back to the core of what we're doing too is, we're fundraisers and we want to build authentic, real relationships with mm-hmm. our donors and with the clients we serve. So don't we want to have those real and authentic relationships, you know, on an employee and an employer level as well? Yeah, absolutely. I know that in fact, I think the best fundraisers and the best executive directors are the ones who who are so authentic and they bring all mm-hmm. themselves to the table all the time. So, For sure. Yeah. Is there anything else you've been hearing that we haven't touched upon or any other recommendations for organizations as they think about this? I think we've touched on most of them. I think it's just, um, I guess the one other piece of, again, the nature of our work and it, our work doesn't often fit in a nine to five schedule. Mm-hmm. So uh, recognizing and like owners lives don't, you know, often fit in that nine to five schedule. So I think recognizing that again is going to make us more effective at our job. And then also just happier outside of work with our, our children or our families or our pets or whatever, you know, whatever that is that fuels you outside of work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, our audience is mostly small organizations. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned earlier, like there's no HR function, but to be honest, even if there is an HR function, in my experience, uh, when it comes to this, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I want to just, so I guess, end our conversation on what can we do to support the people around us? So whether or not we're the executive director or um we're in a position within the organization of power. I feel like there's still, you know, there's opportunities for us to, to support each other and to support other people going through these things. What are some things that we can do uh, either to address things when they come up or just make sure people feel like they're not uh, so alone in this experience? Yeah. Um, I think as a leader, you have to put it in, when working with small organizations, I should say, I also can see how busy leaders are. So, mm-hmm. But I think it's so important to just have direct, real conversations with, with staff um, in terms of what their needs are for this kind of 
elusive work-life balance and how mm-hmm. you can help and, and how that works in the confines of your organization. I mean, for some organizations, you have to be there at a certain time to, to uh, support your client work mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I spoke with one woman and she kind of challenged and said, you know, we assume that all of our managers know that they are kind of putting pressure on us and um, wanting us to work nine to five and mm. they don't want to have these open conversations. But she kind of challenged me and said, maybe that they don't know. So maybe, you know, as an employer, we need to start those conversations. And then, you know, as a leader, you need to be open to these conversations. So mm-hmm. I think there's, you know, two options. There's really to be to be open and to a, create a culture where it's okay for your staff to come and talk to you about these things. Um, and also to, you know, to put that question out there to staff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we hear that a lot for all for so many conversations where I think a lot of people aren't aware of how they are impacting other people. They don't think about what they're saying. It becomes habit and mm-hmm. um, they don't understand how it can create, you know, a, a culture that that feels not welcoming or even worse in a lot of um, situations. So I think that's really a really important uh, note to end on. So mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. Lacey, where can our listeners learn more about you and the great work that you're doing? Yeah. So I would encourage everyone. Um, I'm always on LinkedIn. Uh, so you can connect with me there. Um, also my website, uh, www.balancegood.com. Yeah. Reach out to me. And again, like you can share experiences confidentially. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really looking at how can my business not just support fundraising for small organizations, but how can we help better manage this, this work-life balance? And I don't really think it's a balance. It's a blend, (laughs) but um, how can we better manage it? So feel free to reach out to me. I'm always happy to grab a coffee and chat with anyone. Fantastic. Uh, Well, we're recording this. It's going to air not until the new year, but as of now, it's a Thursday midday and potentially on Monday, there's going to be a school strike. So I think this conversation is very timely as I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my kids next week um, and just praying for not a strike uh, and that the, the, you know, negotiations will be resolved before then. But, you know, it really feels like a timely conversation. And I can, I really appreciate all the work you're doing to have these conversations because uh, it's important to know that we're not alone in experiencing it. So yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Thanks so much uh, to our listeners and to you, Lacey, uh, for joining me today. Thanks. I really appreciate chatting with you. Well, folks, that's it for today's episode of The Small Nonprofit. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and this show is brought to you by The Good Partnership. As a reminder, if you want more resources around raising more money for your small nonprofit, visit thegoodpartnership.com and download our free fundraising strategy guide. I'll see you next week.